Well, good morning. Good morning, class. My name is Monica Terrell, and I'll be your teacher this morning on the Wisdom Seekers class. There's a whole huge crowd here that I'm trying to make eye contact with. Come on, let's have the cheering section. <laughs> um, you know, of all the, the ministry that we have the blessing of doing, I think this class is probably the hardest one for me. I'm just being transparent. And, you know, it's interesting because whether it's in France or Brazil or in the sanctuary and Peace Chapel, whatever it is that, that we're called upon to do in ministry, for whatever reason, there's like a gravity that rests upon this class. And um, I was asking the Lord about that. I've asked him about that a lot. And, and I know that it has a lot to do with um, that it's a teaching class. And that is a, it's, a, it's a venue that really demands um, making disciples, that really demands um, establishing truth. And so much of who we are is, is, well, everything, all that we are is founded upon that truth. And so I think that because of that demand, we've all had to really learn to heed to that um, discipline. And um, so... It's always a blessing to do this. It always stretches me um, on the deep on the inside. It's not so much the study. I love the study. It's, um, it's just stretching. Would you agree? And so, but at the same time, I know that that gravity is of the Lord, and I know that it's so crucial that this class is what it is because it truly has set the foundation of who we are as a people and, and really caused taught us to become disciples so that we can go make disciples because if the disciple is somebody that has, is a disciplined in the word that truly is what this class represents and and so i'm thankful for it i also for whatever reason this morning i'm feeling <laughs> just intense gravity regarding who we are and what God's called us to do. And I, I, I don't know what's happening in the realm. I know this happens sometime in the night where I, I've already fought a, a few battles with probably a few principalities already since the middle of the night. And, um, and yet I know that it's because of what God is doing. And, um, you know, I was listening to the Don Potter song in the sanctuary a few minutes ago where he talks about, you know, there is no... There is no peace without a battle. And uh, so for whatever it is that's happening today in the realm, I know that it's very significant. And I know that um, our identity and our function as a people, we are moving forward. We are going forward. We are stretching out into um, the places God has called us in ways that are just incredible. And so um, I, just, I just pray, I prophesy that the agape of the Father would permeate every part of our hearts and every point of ministry that happens to this house today, and that it would truly be the passion that drives us and leads us forward into what he has for us throughout this day, because none of this is insignificant. I mean, I can stand up here before you. I could have studied and, and done my due diligence and 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 really felt like I've heard from the Lord as to what he wants to speak this morning. And it is not in vain. It is for a purpose. It is because what we release is having an effect. Friend, what you release 
is having an effect. I mean, our words have power. And so we got to recognize that. We got to recognize that no moment is insignificant. This moment is significant in the realm, in the kingdom. And so I submit to that. I surrender to that. I surrender this revelation to that. I surrender everything that comes out of my mouth to that. And I just ask that the Lord would just speak through me. And so, um, yeah. So, good morning. <laughs> good morning. So today, this morning, we're going to talk about um, reaching forth. And, you know, I've been in a lot of, of prayer and, and reflection just over the last couple of weeks since we've returned home from Brazil, and we are now preparing for ministry in France. And, you know, in the midst of weariness, um, you know, I was pretty desperately reaching out to the Lord for um, the refueling and, and, and for what I know that I personally needed and what we needed as a body to, to really accomplish what is before us because I'm seeing so vividly what is before us and it can be very overwhelming. I mean, when we look at nations, we're talking about nations. We're talking about raising up an army of sons in a whole continent. That's huge. That's huge. And we are a remnant, and we are small, and, and yet God is got it all in control. But it takes the, 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 the obedience and the work to get it accomplished. And so it's really easy to get overwhelmed by that. It's very easy, and I'm sure Pastor can attest to this. I mean, this is huge. And that, you know, that's just one continent. We're talking about the world. We're talking about God has called us to make disciples throughout the whole world, to go throughout the whole world. And so that is happening. And so this really came through really that moment of um, me desperately seeking the Lord as, you know, not only for that measure of spiritual refueling, but also um, <clears throat> just a prophetic word of how we do this. And he gave me actually two messages. And I actually yesterday prepared two teachings, which I don't think has ever happened before. And I have two different teaching sheets. And it's funny because he began to speak to me about this maybe on Thursday. And I came to prayer on Friday morning. And so, I, you know, as we all do, I sat before the Lord. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to teach on Sunday? Like asking for another word. <laughs> and he said, I've already told you. And so then you're just kind of having that duh moment before the Lord. And... uh and so then I just went ahead and prepared both of them. Um, and this is one of them. <clears throat> the other one is about having a willing heart because we have to be a people that, that have willing hearts and that are continuously making that free will offering before the Lord to see these things happen, to see these things accomplished. But for this morning, we're going to talk about reaching forth and we're going to study um, a lot of the words of the Apostle Paul. But I gave you at the top of the sheet a, a, a verse out of Habakkuk. And you're probably wondering, how in the world does that relate? And I'm just going to tell you, um, this, this, <laughs> this particular passage in this house, you know, actually for, his long, for my entire life that I can remember, was really the first prophetic word that God gave me. And it was probably 20 years ago, 21 years ago, I don't know. And I didn't know anything about anything other than I wanted God. And, and we were moving as a people towards our purpose and our identity. And I remember it was a Sunday, and the Lord spoke this word to me. 
And to be quite honest, being, you know, a child, a grandchild of a pastor raised in the teaching of the word, um, I can't say that I knew this verse, but I really understood this verse, right? But since then, we've studied so much about vision and about what this means. But back then, I didn't really know anything about anything. So what I did was I took a piece of paper. It was even before the green prayer cards. And I wrote it down. And with great courage, pastor was at the front of the, 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 in the altar area after the Sunday night service. And I walked up to him, and I handed him the piece of paper. And I didn't really know him personally at that time. He was my pastor, you know. And, and so, do you, I don't know if you remember that. And so that, that was the very first prophetic word that I gave. And so the Lord brought that to my remembrance this week as I've been in prayer. And I told you I'm really sensing like this gravity. Um, he said... The vision has come. You're living the vision. The vision has come. And I began to realize and just reflect back over the last 20 years how vision is an evolving thing and we continually seek fresh vision. But so much of the vision that was spoken back then, the vision that we, that we grasp onto, that we have held onto, is manifesting. And, and, and I really began to, to reflect about how crucial vision is for us as a people. Because vision really is our service of patience. And it's our inspiration. It imparts inspiration. It just does. You know, the Bible says without vision, people perish. Moses endured through all that he went through through that 40 years because he had vision from God right? And, and, and it's not because he had a good idea. Hey, I'm going to lead these millions of people through this wilderness for 40 years because it's a great idea and it'll make a really good story and a really, really good movie. No, he had vision from God. Whether you want to say it was the burning bush or whatever you want to say it was, that's what he looked towards was the vision that God had given to him. It brings inspiration. It's the same with us. Expanding into the nations, our saintly ministry, all the work that lies before us, if we don't see it as the vision of God, we will get so weary and, and lack the inspiration that is needed. And when I say inspiration, I mean from the Spirit, that creativity that comes through the Spirit. We will perish. We will. And so vision is so crucial. And so... You know, it's not about an idea. You know, pastor didn't sit back and think, you know what? I think I'll just start a network called Saints, and I think I'll just give everything I have over to intercession, and I'm just going to totally turn this house and this ministry upside down, and, and we're just going to start over because I have, this is just a great idea. Nobody else is doing this. No. God gave him a vision, and, and, and that envision was really the, 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 the creative inspiration that has driven us all these years and so what is that vision it's our righteous faith right and um it's larger than life but it's it's possibility and it's it's like this passage says it may tarry but we wait for it in patience in that patient endurance and it's a walk of faith and it will come it is coming so don't lose heart know that it is, it, it, is, it is manifesting. 
And, you know, what is proof of the vision? And I, I actually stole this from somebody, so. <laughs> proof of the vision is that we reach out more than we, than we have grasp of. And we always want that. Aren't you thankful for that, that we have a leader that does that? That we don't just settle for where we are? Because you know what? Things are pretty good, right? I mean, we got some fulfillment going on. You know, things are good. But the fact that that, that that apostolic heart is reaching beyond what our grasp is, is what drives us forward. Because that's the heart of the Father. And so our reach must always be beyond or exceed the grasp that we have. And really, when I look at Brazil and when I look at things that God's opening, even things that are happening in Switzerland, you know, with the young people, and not just with the young people, with all the saints in Switzerland, or, or even the ongoing um, transformation of things that we see happening in France and in, and in Luxembourg and the different nations in Africa, that is beyond, you know, so much of it, it it's exceeding our grasp, but it, God is working it. And we have to keep our focus on that vision and keep moving forward because we will go the direction that our vision is, right? And so here's another quote that I stole. If we have only what we have experienced, where do we go? But if we have the inspiration of the vision of God, we have more than we can experience. And that, that actually is a quote from Oswald Chambers, who's now gone and been with the Lord. But um, I, just, I just, you know, I love that because um, vision is just so very important for us. I remember when, um, when my oldest child moved to California, to Los Angeles. And I'm telling you, I mean, in, deep inside of me, I was shuddering at that reality. And... But I had to trust that she was hearing from God, and this is what she felt she needed to do at this stage in her life. But, you know, those first few months, those, that first year was, <laughs> it was hard because my prayer, my prayer never ceased. But my prayer was that she didn't get sucked into that, you know, whether it's the, the prince of the power of the air or the prince of this world or whatever it is that blinds the minds, the prince of this world. Um, I just, I, there was just this constant intercession for her that she would stay true to who she was and not allow that to suck her in to where she would not come back home. Because I knew of both of my kids, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say this, I'm not going to prophesy this, but I know she would come home. God was calling her eventually back home. And so I remember talking to her one day. She called me, and she was, she was struggling, and... Uh, you know, she struggled, and I kind of deep inside went, yay. Not that she had struggles where she, where she was, but that she was becoming discontent. And, you know, at first, the whole idea of living in Santa Monica and being by the ocean and going to fashion school and all those things were just exciting. And, and once that began to wear off and the reality hit of, I don't like it here. So when she began to verbalize that, I began to start saying, yeah, uh, this is the Lord. Because you may be here for a season, but this is not where you belong. And I knew that in my spirit, but she had to come to that revelation. But when she said to me, Mommy, at 25, she still calls me that, I just don't feel inspiration here. I don't feel inspired. And I knew when she said those words, that was the Holy Spirit. And I knew what that meant right then is that she was coming home. 
because we have to have that spiritual creativity, that spiritual inspiration that comes from the Holy Spirit in order to keep moving forward. And, um, and so that comes through vision. And, and, and something else, and this, this goes with the other teaching, resources follow vision. They do. When you're obedient to the vision, and we say this around here, and I, I don't even know if I can um, provision for the vision. Yeah. But resources follow vision. And so when we're obedient to that vision, the resources come, whether it be spiritual or financial or whatever it is that we need, they come when we're obedient to the vision. And so I really wanted to start with that because I think that um, we need to recognize that you know, we've taught about vision. We've activated about vision. We're going to do vision tonight in our prayer time. Vision is so crucial to the Lord. And we have to keep that alive in order to keep moving forward and to keep expanding. We should always be expanding, right? Always be expanding. Not this way. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm going to slow down now so that Luke doesn't say, I do not understand you. You talk too fast. Um, we're going we're gonna to jump into this verse in Philippians because this really was the launch point for this teaching. And this was just a passage of scripture that the Lord gave to me in the midst of, of my prayer over the last couple of weeks. And my asking him, sometimes my asking is more like begging, but he knows me better than anyone. And my, my supplication, I should say, before him about, um, Lord, give us what we need to accomplish what you've given us to accomplish. And he's so faithful. And so he led me to this, this passage in Philippians chapter 3. And, and I, I, I'm sure that this um, particular understanding of these Greek words has been taught. Um, but I don't remember when, and I, I, I don't remember. But we're going to revisit this because I feel like this is a word from the Lord for us at this juncture. And so Philippians 3, 12 um, beginning with verse um, 12, 3.12. It says, not that I had already attained. Actually, I go through verse 16, but I just put 14 on there, but that doesn't matter. Not that I had already, atta already attained, either were already perfect. And we know this word for perfect is this, Tilio, 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 which means to be accomplished or complete, fulfilled. But I follow after, I press on, I pursue after, that I may apprehend, which means to lay hold of, to seize, to possess, or to attain, that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So he has apprehended us. He has laid hold of us for a purpose. And that purpose is to be functioning sons in his kingdom, right? And to do the will of the Father. Um, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or laid hold of, but this one thing, this one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind. Now, we've already established that the things that we have accomplished up until now are the foundation for which we move forward from. But what he's speaking of, of things that need to be just left out of the mind. I mean, it literally means you just lose it out of your mind. We all have those things. As a body, we have those things, which are behind. And I reach forth. I stretch myself forward upon. 
unto those things which are before, which is our vision, right? Which is the vision that God has given us and the assignment, the mission that he's given us. I press, well, we're, I press toward the mark of the prize, which is the crown of righteousness, according to 2 Timothy 4.8, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, you know, Paul, he, he, his passion was to know Christ and the power of the resurrection, right? Which is the power base, which is what we, how we know Christ as the Son, but also in the midst of the fellowship of the suffering. So both of those come hand in hand. But through that, we recognize that we have a divine destiny. We have a divine commission. And we have function that must be tended to towards the completion of the mission that our Father has given us as saints and as this body. And I, when I say this body, because we're going to talk a lot about the responsibilities of the body, right? And when I, I'm speaking of this body, but I'm speaking of the expanded body that is expanded into the nations that are the body of saints that we would call the saints network or we would call the body of the saints. Okay? So in the past, when we've talked about this reaching forth, the, the imagery has always been like as a runner on a course to finish, and he's straining every muscle as he reaches with his hand towards the goal. His hand stretched out to grasp it, okay? Now, you're looking towards the goal. Your hand is reaching out, and hopefully your feet are moving, right? Or you're not running very fast. Your heart needs to be in there too, absolutely. So we have to press on forward. We have to stretch ourselves forward upon the mission that God has given us, the assignment that he's given us, we have to apprehend or lay hold of that assignment, that which is before us, which is really his righteous vision. Okay? That's the one thing we've got to do. That's what Paul says. That's what we have to do to be continuously apostolically moving forward. So whatever direction our gaze is in, we're going to go. So if we're looking behind us at what just happened to us or who's messed with us or maybe is doing things they shouldn't be doing or causing some mayhem, which has been happening a lot lately, if we're looking back at that, even though those things have to be addressed, but the one thing that we do is we keep looking forward, right, towards the prize, towards the crown of righteousness, towards what... The mission that he has given us, which is expanding, guys. I mean, it's, it's so big. I, it overwhelms. It's overwhelming. It's so big. But it's so God. And so he's bigger than all of it. So hallelujah for that. So we reach forth with our hand and with our foot. And, and, and I, I read this too, and I thought this was interesting. It says, the eye reaches before and it draws the hand. And we know that hand is that empty hand of that cavernous place of, of winter, that cavernous place of possibility of the miraculous. So the eye reaches before, and it draws on the hand, okay? So you're, you're really, your vision or the vision he's given you as you view that is fueled by the empty hand because that's, that, that's the action, right? And the hand reaches before, and it draws on the feet for us to move forward. God said in Exodus 14:15, the Lord said unto Moses, speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. 
dang it, they're going in a circle. <laughs> but keep them going forward, progressing. Amen? So my question to you is, what are you reaching for? Are you apprehending that for which you have been apprehended of, of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that's the one thing we need to be doing. And for the Apostle Paul, and for that apostolic calling for which we have for us, it's that vision that God has given to us to expand into the nations, to teach the nations, to make disciples. We know what it is. And so the study really um, from, the, from here on out is going to be focusing on this word for reaching forth. And the root of this word is ekteino. I probably just really butchered that, and I'm sorry. Um, it's the word on the bottom, um, the word that the Apostle Paul uses in this passage in Philippians is the same word, but it's got the preposition epi in front of it, which is like a superimposing upon. And then we're going to segue into something that I pulled from the Agape book, which is very prevalent um, to this study. And it's, it's using the word in the center, which is a derivative of it. It's very close. It means to stretch out or to extend, but it means to be intentional, to have intent without ceasing. Okay, so we're going to segue just a little bit into, um, into this passage in 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 8. Wait, before we do that, I want to say a few more things, if that's okay. Nobody's confused, are they? Did I lose anybody? Okay, good. Those things that are behind You've forgotten those already, right? So the understanding of this particular word, ekteano, means to extend, to cast, to put forth, or to stretch forth, and it is used with the arm or the hand. Okay, and we understand what that means, what the hand is. But the understanding, and I did pull this out of the, the Agape book, speaks of a powerful and decisive stretching out of the arm or the hand in order to impart or to communicate the magnificent influence of the kingdom. So when we, the one thing that we do is that we reach forth those things which are before, we do that with the commission of very powerfully and decisively stretching out our hand in order to impart or to communicate the magnificent influence of the kingdom. That's what we do. That's what the Lord did. And that is a measure of authority and a measure of a dominion. Now, what is the magnificent influence of the kingdom? What is the greatest mag uh, magnificent influence of the kingdom that you could think of? Well, for me, it would be agape. I can't pull a verse that says that, but for me, that is the greatest power that God gave. That, that it, it is God. He is agape. I mean, that's the greatest power. And agape is the purest demonstration of passion that is fueled by the heart of God, burning within us to press toward the goal, to press toward the mark or the prize, to press toward the vision, to keep that one thing that we do, to keep moving forward, to keep pressing forward in passionate pursuit of fulfilling his will or his purpose. And we know, I mean, we, we have that understanding of agape. We, as a body, are responsible 
for the presence of agape. It must be the most important thing that we do in this house and in every house is represented in the saints is cultivate the presence of agape. It is the fuel, it is the power, it is the passion from God's heart that will see us through. It just is. Prophetically, obediently, sacrificially, and every other means necessary, it must never be further than an arm's length from us. Okay? But it's here, right? And so that burning agape that's within us, we talk about the altar of incense, we talk about being intercessors. That altar of incense is fueled through agape. And so that fire has to continuously be burning for us to fulfill what he's called us to fulfill. And so it must be treasured, it must be preserved at all costs. And so now I want to segue into this passage in, um, in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. And it says, but the end of all things is at hand. Do you agree? Of course, Peter was saying this a long, long time ago, but do you agree? Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Posukamai. And above all things, have fervent, and this is a derivative of this word, which means to the intent without ceasing to stretch or extend agape among yourselves. For agape shall cover a multitude of sins. And so Peter here is suggesting to the body that an atmosphere of fervent, unceasing agape is among the people of God, is among us as a body. And we acknowledge that. We recognize that. We foster that. We cultivate that. But we can, it can never be beyond that arm's length away. We have got to keep that as a forefront, our first love. It has to be. And when we extend the arm of agape, we confidently assert our unwavering devotion to the cause and commission of the Almighty God that is within us. We, when we radiate or emanate fervency, that unceasing intent and that extension, always being intentional with it. And when it is the responsibility of the whole body, not merely just our apostle or our pastor or one or few of us, but all of us, we have to insist upon it. We have to hold on to it. So when it comes forth out of us, when we radiate it in this manner, our hearts hold on and we insist upon what we have believed God has given us to do, who we are, and we, 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 we insist upon. That is just the, the apex of faith. So fervency is a continuing emphasis. It's always intentional and is the responsibility of the whole body, not just a few of us. And in that climate of fervent agape, and then he talks about the multitude of sins. It covers a multitude of sins. So what does this mean? Where sins is here is, means to, to, of course, miss the mark, to be without a share in, which God knows we don't want that, to miss or wander from the path of righteousness. And so sin, we know, is literally missing the mark. So when the body of Christ, when the body of saints takes responsibility for the fervency, the constancy of agape, in the midst of the congregation of saints, the, pros the propensity for erring from the pathway is lessened and even eliminated. 
So we will not miss the mark. We won't miss it as long as the body is fostering this, this um, atmosphere of a fervent agape. Yes, there will always be opportunity to fall from the path of righteousness or to abandon it in favor of a lesser passion. But if we mutually assume responsibility of keeping the fires of fat passion burning, the possibility of failing will be greatly lessened. And I pulled that actually from the Agape book. So I love that. Yeah. have an answer other than the fact that if we are insistent upon um, cultivating an atmosphere of agape it covers us from from missing the mark I mean I, I don't have pastor do you have anything beyond that or Dennis well I've always understood it to you know uh, Jesus's blood covers our sin okay and so his love is is the reason for that shed blood and I, I've always met, uh, believed that it takes that it means the same thing his love for us and this love covers our sin uh, I'm not saying that's deeper but that's just the way no, no, no. Yeah. no I get that I think there, uh, there's something that just I don't know there's something inside me that's Really intrigued as to <clears throat> well the the cover the application of, of where we are as a people how that applies now what you know kind of where we're at as things Monica um, the the word in the Greek it means to cover up to cover or to hide it's a crypto word. means to hinder the knowledge of a thing. And so I think about, you know, we read in the Bible about, you know, our sin as far as the east is from the west and how it, it, it basically, the blood has covered our sin and it's not even uh, any longer evident to the Lord because he says that he casts that into the sea of forgetfulness. And we're the ones that go back and pull the covers open on it and bring it back up. But um, I think, I mean, Mark, when you're, when you're talking about not seeing it that way, about it, about it covering, um, yeah, I mean, I, I literally think it means to almost removed from the knowledge, you know, to, to, to cause it to be blocked out totally. Plus, if we're filled with agape, I mean, it, it keeps iniquity from us, right? It keeps, yeah. Do you have anything to add? Yeah. Well, I, 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 I,
<laughs> As we speculate here. Well, I, I th all of these things are, are true. But. but so, no, there's no but. I think, I think, though, that you look at the overall objective of agape, what God is wanting to do, and I can look back over these past 20 years. We're certainly not finished. We're really still just beginning the way God's opening things. But I can look at how many missing the marks tried to affect our course, how many misguided attempts by people tried to affect our course and take us offline, how many opinions that were good opinions but they weren't necessarily God's opinions and with every with every accomplishment of agape we often it's just kind of like history you see the accomplished thing and you don't necessarily read all the ways that that thing almost didn't happen. Or all the other opinions that were very strong that almost caused that not to happen. And so in every pursuit with the Lord, as long as you continue to go hard after his heart to maintain what he has commissioned you to do and not give up, you keep pressing toward that mark. And... Um, all those other things that would try to deter you or dissuade you or discourage you when the victory comes it's kind of like what Paul writes about giving birth um, he says all the pains and all the struggles when that child is there you forget about well you may not forget about them but suddenly those things pale in comparison because you've got the apex you've got the, you've got the child and so the only thing that keeps me going is the fact that I know no matter what people do, no matter what oppositions come, we're following after a directive from his throne and that passion is our strength. That's why it's the greatest gift. It's better. Somebody could have faith, a directive from the right hand and give it up no matter how glorious it is, the greatest is agape. So the agape covers a multitude of sins. Now, you see how the enemies try to pervert that. You know, today, even, even today, there are people who say that all God wants to do is have compassion. They take love and they pervert the... They pervert the meaning of what it is. They exchange it for compassion, social work, philanthropy, um, you know, picking somebody up and providing for them. All those are charity. And those are good things. But those aren't necessarily agape. And so you have people say, all God wants to do is love. And by that they say, well, we can, we can, we can, uh, we can accept this horrible miscarriage of justice. We can, we, can, we can forget about murdering babies because God just wants love. We can tolerate alternative lifestyles that we're not cursing anybody, but it's not God's plan because all God wants is love. See, you're substituting the definition that's there, which is going hard after God. And I can just say... 
you know, I, I have to learn from the past. Hopefully I do okay with that. But I can think of so many major steps that we as a congregation took in following, doing our best to follow God. And I can think with every one of those steps of grace, all the ways it could have gone sideways. All the ways that there were considerable voices opposing that person. All the ways that the enemy thought he had us. All of those missings of the marks. But yet God's agape overcame all of that. And if you keep following that, that agape, it's going to trump everything else. And I think, uh, you know, whether it is Jesus' mission to redeem us to God and to cleanse us from all of our wanderings where we could not do anything but miss the mark, to provide a way to follow God in truth, yes, that is, that's a depiction of this. For the joy set before him, he ignored all these other things. And there were a lot of other things. And even now at this door, that's why wherever grace is, sin is abounding. I mean, you can't separate that. Wherever there's a step forward in grace, the Bible says, no matter how abounding that grace is, sin is abounding all around. There's all kinds of ways that, that we could miss it, that people miss it, that people try to convince you to miss it. But that's why this stretching forth is so important being directed by the agape of God because as long as we keep reaching for that you know Peter and it was one of your verses as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus he didn't sink in the water there were a lot of reasons why he could have sunk and should have sunk but he kept his eyes and Jesus stretched forth his hand there I think that's the essence of it and again all of these these other great comments are, are demonstrations of that. But at the, at the, in the eternal heart of it, the agape is, is always going to be um, is always going to be confronted by the opportunity to miss the mark. And it'll be going on all around us. But the agape will cover that and overcome it. I think. Well, according to what you wrote in that agape book, you talk about um, how crucial it is that we as a body nurture that as the body. And to me, it kind of reminds me of his banner over us is love. I know that's Hebrew, so it's not agape. But it does. It, key, it preserves us. Yeah, it's an banner, atmosphere. The banner is you're embracing what he's commissioned you to do, and the commission comes from his agape. Yeah, and it protects us from the enemy. Yeah. It does. Your continuing adherence and allegiance to that yeah. is what overcomes. Yeah. I like this, uh, the way this is written by uh, Peter, too. And, um, you know, that, that fervent charity all is, of course, agape that we've been talking about in uh, verse 8. Um, when we are. Uh, I'll say if we have the opportunity to be offended by each other, that's when the agape love covers that. That's good. Yeah. And we forgive if we love in an agape way, as as carrying the banner as Pastor's been talking about. 
if we carry the banner of agape properly, we are not offended. We are, his love covers whatever has happened among us to make us offended with each other. And, Isn't it uh, wonderful how over yeah. the years we've watched that being worked in all of us? Yeah. So <laughs> really? we, have, we have people here that we love, you know, in a, an agape way. But we have people that we used to be here that are gone. And he's telling us, I think, that our agape love for them continues regardless of what has happened. That agape love covers anything that has happened. Amen. Well, I want, I want to um, thank you so much. Thank you. I want to go back and, and finish our, our passage in Philippians 3 and read the last two verses because we stopped at the high calling of, of, of God in Christ Jesus. So we are, the one thing that we do, we reach forth, right? Those things that are before, we press toward that mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. And then he says, let us therefore, as many be perfect or mature, be thus minded. And, in, 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 and if anything, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even unto this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. Man, that is so crucial. <laughs> that is just so crucial for us as a people. And um, so, yeah. So before we move on, does anybody have any other comments? So we're going to look at a few ways that, that there, this, this word is not, this ecteino is not used very often. It's, it's duplicated throughout the Gospels. But it gave us just about all that we needed or all that was there for us. But it's really interesting because it so much speaks about the way that the Lord extends his hand to us, stretches forth his hand to us for our maturity and for um, what he has called us to accomplish, but also has how when we apostolically go forth, this is a commission for us to do where we go. And I've seen this happen over and over again in the bodies that we are sent to minister to, and I love it. But we're going to begin with um, the, the, the first usage, which is in Matthew um, chapter 12, 46 through 50. And it says, While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak to him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with you. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand, that empty, hollow hand of possibility, of purpose, of creativity, I mean, of all those things, toward the disciples. And he said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. I love this so much. He is, you know, Jesus, this is Jesus' ministry, and this is him validating the identity of his family. And, and, and his family, his mother, his brethren, his brothers and sisters are those that are doing the will of God. There's no way around it. There's just not. And so that hand is extended, is reached forth towards us, that hand of possibility, that hand of the miraculous, that empty hand that ushers us into um, 
that winter season where that seed dies and we begin to bring forth life, all of those happen through the extension of his hand towards us as we've committed ourselves to do his will, to do our Father's will. I, I just love that. And so when we go forth, you know, we are going forth to call forth sons and to, to prophesy identity and prophesy function into bodies, into saints, into individuals. And we have to be ones that extend that hand on behalf of our Lord Jesus Christ and extend that measure, that empty hand of possibility into them and, and, and speak that identity into them and see that life come forth. It's so important. God looks for those who will face life through the eye or the vision of partnering with him. This will always require us to look toward the potential or the promise of the vision and not to be beset, beset by what we see in the natural or what is behind us because we know that nothingness is the framework of the miracle. So that extended hand, that hand of nothingness, that empty hand is everything. It's everything. And it's extended towards those that, that do the will of God. Amen? Aren't you thankful for the family that God's given us? I mean, there's really not even a, an expression. There's not enough of an expression in my heart to express how thankful I am for this family. Not. Because it's of God. Because it's right here. And his hand is extended towards us. And we are going forth together. And there's something, such a depth that you don't even find in the natural. You know, in the natural. So thankful. So let's look at Matthew 8. And this is about cleansing. And this is something else that we are called to go and minister and to do, but also something that God has done through us. Do you remember in the very beginning when God called us to this walk? What did we do? We dealt with leprosy. We dealt with that. Un is now, now, I don't know. Is leprosy an unclean spirit? All I know is they walked around saying, unclean, unclean. But is that an unclean spirit? Well, at, at, at heart it is because that red and green which which was what the identity of it was so if you look at it's blocking grace yeah. and uh, wisdom and understanding and that's those are the colors that would manifest in the in the homes of the lepers and we talked about how that that is the first sermon preached when we came back from Brownsville was a dedication that we would stand against leprosy in the church and that we would seek to restore grace and we didn't understand at the time grace and partnering with God with him speaking to the heart so yes in fact that very often you see um, make me clean which is here kaparos mm -hmm. you remember that unclean is is the blocking mm -hmm. of, the, of the flow yeah so it's the same term so Yes, it is. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's an unclean spirit, but it is a manifestation of what the unclean spirit would do. And um, so, yeah, and I think it's interesting that you've got a threefold thing there. You've got this guy asks for this freedom, this cleansing. So Jesus puts forth the hand, and there's the, the sila of the hand, and then there's the fire of fulfillment. That's a pretty good depiction of what we should do when we're ministering the fire of God. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, 
Well, I really wanted to focus here on the catharos. I didn't really want to focus on what leprosy is, even though that's certainly an element here in, this, in these verses. But Matthew 8, 1 through 4. And when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leopard and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. Catharos. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. That's the heptomai, thank you. Him saying, I will, I will be thou, Catharos, be there clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See thou, tell See thou tell no man, go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And we know how that all played out. But what I really wanted to focus on here in the ministry of Jesus to us, but also our ministry as we go forth, is Jesus here is speaking, you know, of the catharos and of the necessary the necessity of being pure in heart. The Bible says in Matthew five eight, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We got to see God. God wants us to have that vision of him, wants us to see him. And the ultimate point of supply and fellowship and really fulfilling his will is to know and to see our heavenly father. And if we are blocked, we won't. Blessed is he that is pure in heart. Jesus said, I only do that which I see my father in heaven. If we can't see, we can't do, right? So this is the blessing of Catharos, it's that free flow of access between God and us and what we know and live and what we minister. So when we go out, we bring this revelation and we bring, you know, we, we have to be ready to extend that hand to, to see that cleansing happen, whether it be in a church, whether it be in an individual, because what we want and what is necessary is for all the sons of God to have that free flow of access between them and the Father. So many people don't understand that. So many people are so blocked by... So, and then something that I, that I, that I, that I studied in, in one of the books was the most significant time to be on guard for the unclean spirit is during times of preparation or times of entry into the new. So when we go in to establish something new, you better believe we're going to deal with that. But we have to know we have the authority and the power by the Lord Jesus Christ to extend that hand and, and say, be made clean. It's just as important as healing, or and it is a healing. But I mean, it's so important in our mission, right? And so I see, you know, we may not actually go and literally say these words, but we go and impart that. We go and insist upon that. Because if you go into a church and there's not that free flow, that pure in heart that will see God, they're not going to make it in the calling that, that, that God's put upon them. So I, I, I really love that. At every significant beginning in recorded ministry of Jesus on earth, the presence of an unclean spirit was said to be operative. So this is something very real and something that we need to recognize that we have to address in the establishment of sonship and in the establishment of, of these churches and houses throughout the world. So... You know, if your conscience is pure, if your heart is pure, if you're seeing God and obedient to his will, the enemy really doesn't have a place to attack you because he attacks us with impurity and with ungodly reactions and things like that. So, yeah. So, anybody have any comments? Amen, maybe? Amen. 
And then restoration, and this is, this is a healing, and this is the guy with the withered hand. Matthew 12, 10 through 13. And behold, there was a man which had in his hand, which had his hand withered, and this literally means dried up. I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> I don't even know what it would look like, but I'm trying to make it. And they asked him, saying, is it lawful? And this is just so stupid. I'm sorry. I mean, Scripture's not stupid, but just the things that he had to deal with. Is it, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall in a pit on the Sabbath day, will not lay hold and lift it out? How much then is the man better than the sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. Thank you, Jesus. Then, saith to, then he saith to the man, and I love this because he made him prophetically do a prophetic act to stretch forth his hand. I don't know how he did it right to stretch forth that withered hand and he said um, stretch forth thine hand and he stretched it forth and it was restored whole like as the other so this word for whole is hyges and this has also been studied and taught about but it literally means to make whole clean pure to manifest the attributes of wholesomeness and we get the word hygiene from this word which really is the practices to prevent the spread of disease so Proper hygiene communicates proper order and function. So what Jesus was doing was healing the man so that he could step into proper order and function with his hand, which we know is that chair, which is that empty hand of possibility. And so withered, dried up, no supply, it became the framework for which God can begin the cycle of life, of partnership and creativity through that man. That is also something that we are called to go and minister. And we have to know that, that God is empowering us to do this. We need to be his hands and feet. And our hands must be that conduits of that miraculous flow and supply. Plus, it breaks those religious spirits, which, yeah. And then um, Peter, Matthew 14, 22 through, 23, through 33. And this is Peter walking on the water. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him on the other side, but he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, and the waves was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went into them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if thou be, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Jesus had come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when, he, and when they had come unto the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped and saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. So little faith, God help us never to have God say that to us, but that's this word, olijopistos, and it literally means to have small or puny faith. <laughs> to be incredulous, to lack confidence. Okay, 
Faith is what we have be is what we have become based on what the Father has spoken to us in our communion at the right hand of the throne. Okay? We got to take the Lord at his word. No matter how things appear, no matter how frightening they might be, no matter what the tempest that rages around us, we have to take him for his word. He is the truth. He is the power that holds us up. And he is the power that will accomplish us even in the walking on the water. And so as we go forth... You know, yeah, we're going to deal with violent winds. We're going to deal with big waves. We're going to deal with all kinds of opposition, and it's only beginning. But every moment that we stand in need of Christ, while we stand, we are being held up by his power. And when we're falling, we're only saved by his mercy. So let us always take care that we don't consider the danger more than we consider the power of our Lord. And um, we just have to trust. Okay. And then the last passage, and then we're finished, is this wonderful passage out of Acts uh, for, uh, chapter 4. And I'm going to go quickly, but I don't want to disregard this. And this was, Peter and John had just healed the lame man at the, gate, at the, at the temple. The acknowledgement of the miracle had been made. They were commanded by the leaders not to speak the name of Jesus. And they basically responded and so, said, sorry, we have to. But they were frightened. And um, they said to Herod and to the leaders, we have to speak what we have seen and heard. And then they began threatening him, and then they went and joined the others. And we begin with verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported to all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voices to God in one accord, and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heavens and earth and sea and all that is within them, who by the mouth of the servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou has anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done and this is their prayer and now Lord behold their threatenings they were scared guys <laughs> and grant unto your servants that with all boldness that we may speak thy word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child or holy servant Jesus and when they had prayed, the place was shaken and they were, as they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own and they had all things in common. Guys, we're all in this together. God owns everything anyway. And the unity and the oneness that is demonstrated here is the unity and oneness that God has called us to. And it is unstoppable. And it truly yields the boldness that we need to go forth and, and accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. Amen? And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. I said that already. And with great dunamis gave the, the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. Neither was there any among them that lacked, 
For as many as were possessors of the land or houses sold them and brought the, pre the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according to his need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was named Barnabas, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. I just love this because by the stretching forth of the hand of the Lord to bring healing. See, the thing about it is, is that we have to believe God has given us this message. And he will bring power and, 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 and he will validate his message through signs and wonders and through that power. And through that, we got to go forth with boldness. No matter what's coming against us, no matter what they try to do to us, and they will. But that boldness is ours. Because we have that validation of his word through the power that he demonstrates. And we're going to see this a whole lot more as we go forth. This word for boldness is this word, um, parhesia. And I think, Mark, you've spoken of this before. But it literally means the unreserved utterance, cheerful courage, the opposite of timidity. And it demotes divine enablement through which spiritual power and authority are exhibited in the lives of ordinary people. It speaks of clear presentation of the gospel without being ambiguous and, or unintelligible. How many of you want that? I want to get up and speak and for it to be intelligible, right? It is not of human quality, but the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So they didn't even ask that God would preserve their lives or keep them from danger. They were intent on the work that God had set before them, and they were confidently committed to the way, their way to the Lord. Um, and, and, you know, this is just, this is the partnership and the unity and the incredible spirit of oneness that we have to maintain in the body of saints. We can't let anything pollute that. We, we can't. We have got to preserve that. It's that atmosphere of agape. We can't be divided, but we have to be in one accord. And through that one accord, we will go forth as a mighty voice, right, in great boldness through his power and through his spirit. And so, amen. I'm finished. Does anybody have any comments before I hand it over? I know it's late. I think it's interesting, too, that they brought the money and they laid it at their feet instead of kind of giving it to them into their hands. You know, to me, that represents whatever's given in that regard is meant for spreading and, and <coughs> spreading the message and then taking it in and everywhere right. we go. That's good, Mark. I think it's an example of the Lord providing in ways that you know that are unanticipated. I mean, yeah. the way the ways that He'll provide are always unanticipated and beyond that, and it'll be likely in a way that we have no concept of. It. Oh, yeah. right. Because it's, it's illogical. You have this person that's you know that owned all these land, all these lands, and was affluent. I mean, do you think that they thought, oh, he's just going to go sell all of this stuff? And Trish, did you want to bring that money? That she just got out of your purse? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, God bless you. Do I just finish? I forget. God bless you. Thank you for receiving me. Amen.